So as I said, we're in week two of our series before you give up, and I want to ask you all a question this morning. Has anyone in this room, since you've become a Christian, ever dealt with the feeling of doubt? Have you, have you ever doubted things? But, but, you know, you think about, well, you're a Christian, you shouldn't have doubt, at least that's something that you hear, right? You, you kind of hear people, oh, well, you shouldn't doubt, you, you're a Christian, you just need to have faith, and, and you need to believe, but the reality is that everybody has doubts, including me. Every one of us have doubts, and we all have this tendency to second-guess ourselves. You know, you think about different ways you've second-guessed yourself throughout this time. You know, you, you ask, well, did I really make the right decision? Did, should, should I really do this? Or for some of us, do I really need to take this back to the store? Or do I really need to send it back to Amazon? Or do I need to do this? And we kind of question ourselves, and maybe we've got some doubts going on in, in what we should actually do. And, and I think we all struggle with this in our lives. We all have this sense in time that we may doubt what's going on. And I believe there's different kinds of doubts. You know, sometimes when we doubt the future, hey, what, what it's going to be? And, you know, instead of saying we, we're doubting the future, we'll say, oh, well, I'm just worried. I'm worried about what's going to happen. And maybe in some ways we may doubt other people. You know, well, I really doubt that person. Well, more than doubting them, maybe we're just a little suspicious of who they are or just, you know, we really don't want to get to know them. What about doubting yourselves? See, I believe we can doubt ourselves better than anybody else because we know ourselves and we got this uh, inferiority complex that we have against ourselves and, and we'll doubt our own abilities, we'll doubt our own beliefs, we'll, we'll doubt all kinds of things in our own lives. And, and what about doubting what you hear on television or the radio? You're like, man, I just can't believe them people. I am way more intelligent than that person standing up there on that screen. I'm way more intelligent than that person on the radio, and, and we'll doubt what they've got to say. We won't believe them, and, you know, we'll just go through life, and some people doubt everything, no matter what it is, and, you know, they're just skeptics, and they, you know, they, they're living in this whole different line of work, and, and ultimately, there's times that we doubt God. But what's funny is we won't say, oh, I doubt God. We'll say, I'm kind of uncertain of his plan. I, I've got a little bit of uncertainty for what God's doing. I really don't doubt him because, unfortunately, I think what happens is, is we believe that if we doubt God, we're bad Christians. Well, I can't doubt him. He's the creator of the world. He's the creator. He knows everything. I can't doubt him. And, and I want something for everyone of you guys to understand this morning. Doubt is a natural part of faith. Say it with me. Doubt is a natural part of faith. You see, by taking our doubts to God, by, by bringing him to him, I think it keeps our faith stronger. It, it helps us to, to live this life that much better. And, and even when he, the answer that he gives us is not an answer we want to hear, which happens a lot of times in our life, God will give us an answer and we'll be like, uh, can I get another one? Can, can I get a bogey on this one? Can, can you give me a different answer? Hey, maybe I need to rephrase the question. 
you know, God, you're not really hearing, hearing me, God, and I need you to hear me and do what I call. But realize that doubt is not the opposite of faith. Unbelief is actually the opposite of faith, not doubt. Doubt, basically, some definitions is uh, uncertainty or maybe undecided. Um, doubt can be a wavering of opinion or belief, a condition of uncertainty, or an unsettled point or matter. But, but when you and I doubt something, you think about it, when we doubt something, we're not saying that we don't believe it. A lot of times we're just saying we don't understand it. Or instead of we don't understand it, or maybe it just doesn't fit with our own opinion, so we kind of doubt something. It's not an unbelief. It's a, let's try and figure this out. And, and I think we all live in this realm, and, and in the midst of, Everything that's going on in the economy today, it's very easy for us to have doubts. It's very easy for us to doubt so many things in this world, doubt people who are in this world. And sometimes, you know, we may even doubt God. God, why are you allowing this to happen? God, why are you allowing bad people to prosper and these good people to have to live paycheck to paycheck or not have enough? And then we start asking those questions, and that doubt starts building up inside of us. And then we start looking at the world, and we start saying, man, this is just, Jesus has to be coming back tomorrow because it has never been this bad. It's never been as bad as it is today. Guess what? It's going to get a little worse tomorrow. And then it's going to get a little worse after that. So what I want to do this morning is take some time and really look at a couple things that we run into in his life and, and that we can know that while we're obviously closer today to Jesus coming back than we were yesterday, um, conditions in the world today are certainly not as the worst that they've ever been. And, and all you got to do is look in the Bible and you can see that there were times in God's word when the conditions that the Jews had to live under is way worse than what we're living under today. It's way worse. Now, yes, Jesus is coming back, and we're closer than we were yesterday, but it's still not as bad as some of the things in the past. And secondly, I want us to, to see that the questions that we ask definitely aren't new questions. They're questions that have been asked before, and People have questioned God, and as you're going to see today, we're going to be in the Old Testament, and some of you are going to be going like, where is this book in the Bible? But, but as we look, we're going to actually look at Habakkuk, and Habakkuk actually lays out his doubts to God. He lays them out, he complains before God, and God actually answers him. Now, ultimately, God doesn't answer him with the answer he wants, but he does answer him. So, if you have a Bible, going to be in Habakkuk. Habakkuk is near the end of the Old Testament, about five books from the end of the Old Testament. And uh, we're going to be in verses 1 through 11. We could probably read the entire book in like 10 minutes or less. But I'm only going to do the first 11 verses today. So just a reminder, we'll be up here on the screen so you can follow along on the screen also. So the pronouncement that the prophet Habakkuk saw and Habakkuk's prayer is this. How long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen? 
or cry out to you about violence, and you do not save? Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. This is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges. For the wicked restrict the righteous, therefore justice comes out perverted. And then you get God's answer. And God says this, Look at the nations and observe, be utterly astounded. For I am doing something in your days that you will not believe when you hear about it. Look, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter, impetuous nation that marches across the earth's open spaces to seize territories not its own. They are fierce and terrifying. Their views of justice and sovereignty stem from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards and more fierce than wolves of the night. Their horsemen charge ahead. Their horsemen come from distant lands. They fly like eagles, swooping to devour. All of them come to do violence. Their face is set in determination. They gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and rulers are a joke to them. They laugh at every fortress and build siege ramps to capture it. Then they sweep by like the wind and pass through. They are guilty. Their strength is their God. Not the answer you were really expecting there, right? You're like, wait a minute, God, God I'm coming to you because all of this bad stuff's going to happen. So, so <laughs> what we see is... Uh, you probably have rarely ever heard a sermon from Habakkuk. It's only, like I said, it's only three chapters. It's only like 50-something verses. You could actually get through it real quick. But to give you a little backstory of what's going on, Israel has already fallen. And Habakkuk is ministering to Judah. And he's seeing all this evil, all this injustice, all going through the days. And by this time, the Assyrians have already fallen to the uh, Chaldeans who are actually the Babylonians and he's just he's so tired of all this violence all these atrocities everything's going on that he lifts his prayer up to God and it basically is asking God why and when are you coming and and it's kind of interesting because we see this debate kind of go back and forth uh, the book of Habakkuk is actually that it's a prayer by Habakkuk an answer from God a second prayer, a second answer, and then Habakkuk finally gets it all and worships God. Actually sings a worship song to God in, in chapter 3. But, but here's the reality. We all struggle with this. Every one of us struggle with this same thing. And, and I really believe that this book can help us, even in modern times, to really be able to move forward, even with what's going on with what's going on in our life and, and, and realize that even when God's not doing anything, he's still doing something. We may not see it, but he's still got something going on. And, and, and when God does something in a way that we really don't expect it to be, kind of like, God, were you really listening to me? Because he does something, but it's not what we want it done. And I think that's a lot of times where we have the problem and the trouble in our life 
is, is we pray to God, we lift up this situation, and God comes in and he does something, but it's not what we wanted. And then we're kind of like, wait a minute, God. I, I, I wanted this, but you did this. But how many times did we want this and he did this, and you look back on your life now and you're like, man, I'm glad he didn't give me this. I'm glad he did this other thing instead because you're so much better off today than you were because sometimes you've got to go through the valley to get to the other side. The problem is we don't want to go through the valley. We, we want to just like teleport from one end to the other or maybe always be on the mountaintop. Can you imagine living your whole life on a mountaintop? Just be up there praising God, no problem, no nothing going on. I guarantee what would happen is you'd stop praising God because it would become normal. It'd become too easy. And I think when life is easy is when we seem to stop taking that time to have those conversations with God. And, and you know, through my life, I, I've, I've looked and, and you know, I, of course, being raised, I thought it was inappropriate to argue with God. You know, oh, you can't argue with God. Well, why not? You know, so instead of arguing with God when something bad would happen in my life, I, I'd kind of like keep it all tucked inside. And, and what I found is my relationship with God started to get distant. Because I had this hate inside of me, I had this frustration building up inside of me, and, and I couldn't go to him because I was taught, oh, you can't argue with God? Oh, you can't tell him this bad stuff? And then later in life, I kind of realized what he knew anyways. He already knew what I was going through, but I, I didn't want to live this inappropriate lifestyle, which is, you know, what I was taught growing up. But the fact is, we need to challenge. We, we need that challenge, and we need to be able to go to God with what's going on in our life and understand that, that he cares about what you're going through. He cares about what's happening to you. And sometimes he just wants to hear from your own voice because he already knows. And here in this, this you, we see Habakkuk, he starts out, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? That sounds familiar. How many people in his room have done the same thing? Lord, how many times? Come on, Lord. I've been crying out for weeks. I've been crying out for months. I, I see nothing going on, Lord. How long must I wait? Apparently, Habakkuk had seen too much for too long, and he finally had it. He finally had it to the point where he went to God, and, and apparently he's been asking for quite some time, maybe through prayer, and, and nothing's happening. So finally he just, how long, Lord? You know, he gets that frustration inside of him like each one of us have. And as we go through this and understand that there's times we're going to be frustrated, and it's okay. And sometimes we're going to have this doubt and, man, I, I just don't know what God's doing. It's okay. We don't need to know what he's doing. We just know he's doing something. And, and to think that, hey, I can't take this to God. Have you ever read the Psalms? One third of all the Psalms have to do with laments. They're expressing frustration, disappointment, and even anger towards God. One third of the Psalms inside the Bible are expressing disappointment. They're expressing doubts. They're going through, why God, why me? So it's okay for us 
to be able to do the same thing and ask these questions. And realize you don't have to be in the right mood to go to God. You don't have to have the right wording to go to God. You just need to go and be real. It's a conversation with your Heavenly Father. Speak the truth. Speak what's on your heart. Because ultimately, He knows anyways. You know, so many times we'll try and go to God and, and we try and all of a sudden King James Him. Oh, Heavenly Father, how art thou doing today? Really? You think that's what He wants to hear? Guess what? He already knows what's in your heart. Yo, God, what's up? Yo, man, I'm having a bad day down here. That's real. That's the kind of relationship he wants with us. That's the kind of relationship you want with someone else, right? You want people to be real with you. You don't think God wants you to be real with him? He wants that same relationship with you because ultimately, if you try and keep it all bundled up, all it's going to do is hurt your own soul. You're going to be hurting inside, and, the, and God already knows what your soul's feeling. He knows what's in your heart. He knows what's inside of you. So be open and honest. We all think, oh, I'm going to hide it from God. Oh, God don't know what I'm going through. Really? Reminds me of Adam and Eve trying to play hide and seek with God in the garden. You know, it's kind of like when you play hide and seek with the kids when they were small. They go and they hide in the kitchen and, and you see their foot or you see them sticking out someplace and you walk past them. Where are you? That's kind of what I think when we try and play hide and seek with God. He knows exactly where we're at. He knows exactly what we're doing. But we'll try and act like you don't see me. Okay. Yeah, we may play that game of we don't see you, but God sees everything you're going through. He sees everything that's going on in your life. And we, we don't need to pretend that we're not angry. We don't need to pretend that we're not frustrated. Be open and honest. Be open and honest with your creator. And I read a quote from Philip Yancey that said this. The real prayer that God listens to could very well be the unspoken words in your heart. Let me say that again. The real prayer that God listens to could very well be the unspoken words in your heart. He already knows. Just speak him. Habakkuk, as we go forward, he, he gets an answer from God. God reveals his plan to Habakkuk. And, and, you know, we know God always has a plan. It's just not always our plan. But he's always got a plan. And, and even if he's not doing anything or we feel he's not doing anything at all, God's still working something out. He still has an answer, and he's going to answer us in his time. And here we see uh, God actually answers Habakkuk, and the answer isn't really what he was expecting. And basically what God tells him is there's going to be this wait. Something's going to happen, but you've got to wait. How many people in this room like to wait? No one? You go, I got a 6 o'clock dinner reservation. I get my entire party there by 545 because, you know, you need the whole party there or you can't sit down. Get the whole party there by 545 and it's 7 o'clock before you sit down. You know, I get kind of irritated. I get kind of frustrated at that point in time. You, know, you try and get slick and pay a little extra thinking, well, they'll, they'll get me in and you still wait. 
and it makes no sense. Well, sometimes God asks us to wait. He asks us to wait on him, to to wait on the circumstances and and not to just go forward and and do what we're going to do. He he tells us to just wait. See, the realization is sometimes the status quo, the place where you're currently at, may be the best place for you at the time. Even though you may not think it, you may not believe it, God may be saying, hey, just wait right where you're at. I've got something, I'm going to do something, but you need to wait for me right where you're at. The plan's going to be bigger, don't worry about it, I've got you covered. And sometimes the best thing we can do is wait. In Psalm 37, 7, it says this, Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. Do not be agitated by one who prospers in his way, by the person who carries out evil plans. In Psalm 46, 10, be still and know that I am God. See, time doesn't work for God. We try and do everything we can. You know, we try and beat time. We try and save time. We, we, we try and rush time forward sometimes, unless it's your birthday and you're getting old, and then you wish you could stop time. You see, we try and manipulate time in our life. God used time as a tool, and he used it very well. Because his timing is what? It's always perfect. So he uses time very well as a tool. And one thing I've found out over the years is sometimes that silent waiting helps me grow closer to him. It helps me work on that intimate relationship with God that much more. When I have to, you know, I've been waiting, so I kind of go and I ask him, well, how long? God, why? God, when? And I think it really works on that relationship between me and him. Knowing that he's going to do something, but he just wants me to come to him. When his timing is right, it's going to be perfect. And I just need to come and be obedient. Be submissive to who he is and understand that through the whole experience, I'm going to know him better. I'm going to know his characteristics better. I'm even going to know his way of doing things that much better by taking that time of waiting. So we see God answers Habakkuk and he says, I'm going to do something in your days. I'm going to do something in your days. I didn't say I'm doing it now. I'm going to do it sooner or later. And, and basically, he, he tells him it's going to be something astonishing because he says that you will not believe when you hear about it. So basically, he's telling him, hey, you know what? I, I didn't tell you earlier because you ain't going to understand it. There's no way you're going to comprehend what I'm going to do. You're not going to be able to fathom it. You're not going to understand it. So I've kind of waited, and you're going to have to hear it out. And God's answer is basically that he's going to bring the Chaldeans to discipline Judah. Now, wait a minute, God. God, I'm asking you for help. We've got all of this violence. We've got all this going on. And your help is you're going to send some people that are more violent to run us out of town. God, are you sure about this plan? Did you hear my voice? Did you see what we're going through? God, there's no way this makes no sense. 
And God tells them, look at the nations and observe. Be utterly astounded. God, are you sure you heard me? Yes, I heard you. God, are you really going to do that? Yes, I'm really going to do that. That must have shocked Habakkuk. It must have been a total shocker. And to kind of give you a realization and something that we could understand, (coughs) imagine having a conversation with God and, and you're saying, God, look at all the injustice we have in the United States. Look at all the violence we have in this world. Look at everything that's going on. And God tells you, hey, I've seen it. Don't worry, I've got a plan. You ready for it? And God says, hey, I am building up the Islamic nation. They're going to come into the U.S. And 9-11 is going to look like a blip on the map because of what they're going to do. They're going to come in here. They're going to take over the United States. They're going to burn down every church in the U.S. You're going to have to live in Shahara law. And if you don't do what they say, you're going to be put to death. What would our answer be? We'd be like, what? God, did you hear me? Yes, I heard you. I'm going to take care of violence with violence. If that's what you want, that's the way you're living your life. You're not paying attention to me. You're, you're living with all of this injustice in the world, and you're not even treating each other as brothers and sisters in Christ right. Guess what? I'm going to bring something that changes all that. And you may not like what I'm bringing, but guess what? In the end you still get to spend eternity with me. So although you may go through some suffering, you may go through some things, that's okay. I've got an end plan also. If he were to tell me that, I'd be like, no way. In my own mind, I'd be saying, that ain't God. Oh, God didn't say that to me. This is basically what he's telling Habakkuk that he's going to do to Judah. I'm going to wipe you out. You're going to be taken captive. And then you're going to go to Babylon and be held captive. And by the way, they're also going to raid your country. They're going to take everything. They're going to burn down your walls. They're going to do everything. And you're going to be utterly destroyed. And you're going to be captives. But um, guess what? It's going to fix the injustice. It's going to fix the violence that you're going through. It's going to fit. It may not see the way that you wanted it fixed, but it will be fixed. So through all this, now Habakkuk is like, I, I can't believe this. And in verse 12 and 13 that we didn't read, he goes on, he says this. Are you not from eternity? Lord, my God, my Holy One, you will not die. Lord, you appointed them to execute judgment, my rock. You destined them to punish us? So so Habakkuk reacts immediately to the second complaint, and and just it doesn't make no sense. And he's basically, how can you do this, God? This is a bad plan. I know you're God. I know you're holy. I know you're the creator. But, man, you got a bad plan here. It ain't going to work. Guess what? There's going to be times that we disagree with God. There's going to be times that we don't agree with what he's got us going through. There's going to be times when we just need to accept it and know that he's got a plan. And and, and when we run into this and and, and as we're going through all this, I think we need to trust in God. 
At that point, we need to trust God even when we don't understand. Even when we don't understand what he's doing, we need to trust him and know that his plan is better than ours. And, and remember that if he's got a way, his way is better than ours because if you had your own way of getting it done, would you seek God? No. You do it yourself, right? If you could do it yourself, would you ask him to help you do it? No. You wouldn't do it. We, and, and so our only option is to trust God. Our only option is to trust him. And, and think about it. In any good relationship, trust is a factor, right? You've got to trust someone if you're in a relationship with them. So if you're married, you trust your spouse, right? If you're in a relationship and, and you've got close friends, there's a trust that comes with it. So in order to build that trust and you build that relationship, it, you, you take that time with each other. Well, the same thing, this relationship that we have with God, it requires us to have to trust him. It requires us to know that he is God and we are not. And we need to trust him through it all. Martin Luther actually said this. When we try to dictate to God the time, place, and manner for him to act, we're testing him. We're trying to see if he will really do it. Doing that is putting limits on God and trying to make him do what we want. It's nothing less than trying to deprive God of his divinity, and we must realize that God is free, not subject to any limitations. He must dictate to us the place, the manner, and the time. Because here's the reality. What if God gave you everything you wanted as soon as you asked for it? You'd be like a vending machine, right? See, and I don't think I could actually have a relationship with God like that because if I just looked as God as a dispenser of goods, I don't think I'd consider him to be holy. I don't think I'd think of him as righteous or all of that. I just think of him as a vending machine. Yeah, a vending machine. Hey, I need this. Boom, there it is. Or like a genie. I get three wishes today. My third is for three more wishes. You know, and but so it takes that relationship and it takes that knowing that he is God and we are not. And God answers Habakkuk's second complaint. He goes on, he answers him, and, and it, it wasn't really to explain to him the reason, but it was more an assurance of what he was doing was going to work out. And in chapter 2, verse 3, it says this, For the vision is yet for the appointed time, it testifies about the end and will not lie. Though it delays, wait for it, since it will certainly come and not be late. So God doesn't explain why he's doing what he's doing, but he assures Habakkuk. He assures him, and he basically says, don't worry, I'm surely going to right every wrong that happens. In the end, I will make it right. But you're going to have some suffering to go through. You're going to have to go through this time where you might not be happy. You might not like what's going on. But I want to reassure you, in the end, I've got it. I've got this covered for you. And then he actually goes on after that. And, and in verse 2, God actually goes through five different woes. And the woes are, are describing the Chaldeans or the Babylonians. 
and history actually goes back. And if you look at the five woes, every one came to true as a characteristic and an attribute of the Babylonians. And this was prior to them ever coming here. <coughs> you know, we need to understand that there's no major power that can ever overrun our God. You know, the Assyrians couldn't do it. The Babylonians couldn't do it. The Roman Empire couldn't do it. The English colonies couldn't do it. Germany couldn't do it. There is no power that will ever be more powerful than our God. Can he use them to bring about his plan? Yes, he can. And we need to always remember that as we go through this life. And, but nothing's ever going to stop him. And we just need to remember that we can trust him even when we don't understand. Even if we don't know the outcome, even through the suffering, we can still trust him. And the last thing we see is we need to make sure that we worship him. And we worship him by holding on to what we know about him. We know he's a, he's a gracious and giving God. When we don't see that graciousness, well, maybe we're not seeing the giving, we can still rest and hope and worship him because we know who he is. We know eventually we will get that. And in chapter 3, Habakkuk actually composes a praise song to God. Even after hearing everything that's going on, his mind changes and he understands who God is. He understands that, yes, we're going to go through this. We're going to be in exile. We're going to be destroyed. Many people are going to lose their lives. But in the end, we're going to prosper. We're going to be better off than we were before. And so he praises him, and in verse 17 and 18 in chapter 3, he says this. Though the fig trees do not bud, and there is no fruit on the vines, though the olive crops fail and the fields produce no food, though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stalls, yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Through all of this, Habakkuk remains optimistic. He remains knowing and, and challenges himself to be willing to listen to God and do what God called him to do. Be, be willing to place his hope in God even through the turmoil, even through the injustices that are going on, knowing that the, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians are going to come and wipe them out. He's still able to have that hope in God. He's still able to realize that even though everything may be lost, I'm going to worship my God. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to seek him. And I'm going to continue to do what he calls us to do. And he chooses to live in hope. He chooses to live in the hope and expresses that through his worship to God. See, I think sometimes we forget that. We forget about how we can live in that hope of what's to come and continue to worship God. Because when the mess is happening, and whether it's injustice, whether it's violence, whatever it may be going on in our life, that's all we see. We get stuck on, you know, seeing what's here in front of our face instead of seeing the bigger picture, seeing that God is still on the throne, seeing that we can still have hope in him in our circumstances, knowing that in the end, we win. 
In the end, as believers in Jesus Christ, we win. If you read the book of Revelation and you look at all the craziness and everything that's going on, in the end, where do we end up? Praising and worshiping our King forever, for eternity in heaven. Streets made of gold, gates, large pearls. Think about that. What we consider precious, they consider construction material. And it's so hard to fathom and understand that, but gold in heaven is asphalt here on earth. That's how much we can trust him. Because it's not about the physical things, it's about the feeling, it's about that relationship, it's about eternity and where we're going to spend our life. And it starts by having that hope, having that trust, and having that belief in him, and understand that it's okay to doubt. It's okay to question. There's nothing absolutely wrong with it. When we feel that God is doing nothing in our life, we feel he's not responding to our prayers, or maybe he's not acting the way that we expect him to act, hold on to what you already know about him. Hold on to what you already know. Look at everything God has already done in your life and guarantee there's been a time when you've been dealing with injustice, you've been dealing with violence, you've been dealing with something, bad situation, and you're able to look back and see how God brought you through it. That's what you hold on to. Because if he took you through it once, he's going to take it through you twice, three, four, some of us five, six, seven. Some of us we lost count. How many things God has brought us through. And on that basis, we always need to ensure that we worship him and have that faith in him. Just as Habakkuk laid out his doubts and complaints before God, we can do the same thing. As I said at the beginning, doubt is a natural part of faith. By taking our doubts to God, we keep our faith strong, even if the answers aren't what we want to hear. That's the big part when our answers are not what we want to hear. Imagine, like I said, praying to God, God, you need to change his violence. I'm going to fix the violence with more violence. God, you need to change the way all these people are acting. No problem, I'm going to bring more people who act just like them. God, I, I need you to, uh, to just... Get rid of it. Let's get this country back to where it was. Okay, let me come wipe it out first. Because in order to get it back, you're going to have to change it back. His ways aren't always our ways. But we need to have that faith, that hope, and that trust in him. And remember, it's okay to doubt. You can doubt God and you can tell him, God, I doubt it. I doubt what's going on right now, and, and I don't believe it. He wants to hear it from you. Be open and honest with God, because he already knows. He already knows what's in your heart. So just take that next step and work on that relationship and have that intimate relationship with him where he already knows you, but make sure he knows you by telling him, by having those conversations. Because it's okay. We'll go. I'll go and tell Giacomo. You know, Giacomo, I doubt it, man. I just don't understand it. 
Well, if I can tell Giacomo that, guess what? I can tell God that. Because he already knows. But we try and hide and we try and approach God's throne with the right words and the right heart and the right attitude. He knows where your heart was. He knows what your attitude was. He knows everything that was going on. Just be obedient. Be obedient to what he calls you to do. And that obedience starts with that relationship with him. And each one of us, like we've all known, it's that personal relationship with Jesus. And you may be going through your life saying, well, pastor, I'd like to have a relationship. And, and it's funny because on Friday, Giacomo and I went out to, out to lunch and, and the waitress was like, I can't go to church. It'll burst on fire when I come through the door. I was chuckling. I said, you know, I used to say the same thing. And, and I missed it, so I told Giacomo next time she says that to him, hit her with, hey, you know, I've never seen it happen. I've had all these people say, if I walk into church, I'm going to burst into flames. Well, can you do me a favor? Come to church so we can see it. We'll video it because we've never seen it happen, and maybe we can get him to come. But see, that's how some of us think. I, I can't come to church. I'll burst into flames. My life is too messed up. I've done too much bad things. There is no way a good and loving God would ever accept me. Well, look to your right or your left. Guess what? The people on your right, left, in front of you, behind you, they're all in the same boat. We're all sinners. Every one of us, including me. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. So guess what? Your life isn't together. Guess what? Our lives aren't together either. So you're in good company. But God's word says that he loved us enough that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for you. That's love. It says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, that's where that starts. That's that relationship starter. The problem is we, we start that relationship, but we don't grow that relationship. We come in and, man, I accepted Jesus today. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And then you go back outside and you go back to the same place you were and you're waiting on your fix. I need my fix. Or you're right back in the bar. Man, I, I need another drink. I accepted Jesus today. Hallelujah, let's toast to Jesus. And then you end up in the same place doing the same thing you were doing or worse. And then you're like, but wait, I accepted Jesus. I thought it would all change. You asked him and you confessed him and you believed in him, but you did nothing with it. It takes that work. Because guess what? You're still going to need that next fix. You're still going to want that next drink. You're still going to want maybe to look at whatever it is you're looking at on the internet. The difference is now when you start to do it, you start to hear that voice. Don't do that. Don't go there. You really don't need it. And then it's a matter of listening to that voice, taking the time to get to know him that much more by spending time in his word, opening and reading his word daily, letting it be what feeds you daily, feed off of his word, 
so that it starts to change you from the inside out. And as you have those doubts of God, you're never going to believe it. Guess what? He does believe it. Because I guarantee whatever you've done, someone else has done and probably three times, ten times worse. And you're coming up thinking you're the worst sinner he's ever seen. You ain't even close. But that's where it starts. Accepting Jesus, making him the Lord over your life, and then start living your life for him. Now, see, some of us, we've accepted Jesus, and, and we've been going through this life trying to follow these rules, and, and, and we, we, man, I got all this anger, I got all this stuff inside of me, and, you know, I'm just angry with God because he's not doing what I asked him to do. Well, tell him. But, see, you won't feel like you can talk to God that way. Bring it to him. God, why? I have literally told God, God, I am mad at you. I am mad at you, God. I can't believe this is happening in my life. I'm mad. I'm upset. And, and I want an answer now. You know what answer I got? Wait. Really? Wait? I've been waiting. Wait. Now I look back in that time of waiting, my relationship grew so much closer. You know, sometimes in relationships, you got to give people space. Sometimes we got to remember God needs his space also. Give him his space to do what he does. And if you're going through this life and, and you've got all this stress and agony on your life and, and you're just frustrated, maybe to the point you're not even believing in God anymore, I want to encourage you at the end of this service, come up front and let's pray about it and get you back on the right track today. If you've never accepted Jesus, come up here. Today is the day of salvation. Let's make that move today. Whatever it is you're going through in your life, if you need prayer today at the end of service, you can come up here and we'll have some people up here who will be more than willing to pray with you and for you and help you get back on track. It's okay to doubt. We serve a God who's big enough to take your doubts and make a change. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. And Lord, in a, in a little tiny book in, in the Old Testament, Lord, the realization that it's our life. It connects with us and what we're going through. And Lord, just like Habakkuk, there's so many times that we have those same questions. And Lord, Habakkuk, we're bold enough to come to you and ask. So Lord, my prayer is that we will be bold enough to come to you also. And Lord, in the end, even after asking you, replying in him, not believing what you said, you answered him a second time. Lord, you didn't rebuke him. You answered him. And in the end, he praised your name. Lord, may we do the same thing as we're, we're going through these life situations and, and things aren't going right and maybe we got some doubts and some fears. May we praise you in the storm. May we seek you through it all. And Lord, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you, Lord, I ask that they make that move today. And Lord, maybe there's someone here who's afraid to 
to come to you with their doubts. So, Lord, I ask that you, as everyone else is leaving, that they'll work their way up front and come and see one of the prayer partners up here, Lord, and that they will truly bring their doubts to you. And, Lord, that they will hear your voice and your answer. And, Lord, we make all these prayers in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Go and serve the Lord. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give. Um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church. And especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com. And on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.